You're listening to Lost and Rewound on Radio Free Brooklyn. Time to get embarrassed with us. <laughs> you want a pirate voice this that's that's the catalyst all it <laughs> takes is two syllables four letters a h o y you can say uh, boy, boy. say a vast ye it's a lot of things if you call me a rapscallion <laughs> any of the any of those will uh launch me into pirate mode i'm resisting right now this is what you call willpower the rapscallions you're listening to are myself alan and myself, Jimmy. And we represent Lost and Rewound here on Radio Free Brooklyn. If you would like to submit your fine sounds of the yesteryears, reach out to us via email, lostandrewound at radiofreebrooklyn.org. That's right. If you were tuning in for the first time, yes. this program is one where we dive into the past, but we dive in ear first. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and we try to, uh, you know, uncover any old recordings that people have had, mm-hmm. whether it be uh, on the cassette, a track, uh, you know, whether they, you know, etched it on one of those discs that Thomas Edison had a hundred years ago. Yeah, we want to hear it. We're now on Podomatic dot com. We have a new place for you to be able to listen to our stuff. You can go to SoundCloud, obviously, as we've been doing since even before uh, we came to Radio Free Brooklyn. But you also have Lost and Rewound at Podomatic.com. Whereas on Radio Free Brooklyn, we're filed under experimental. We certainly continue to drive that <laughs> that uh, label forward as much as possible. But yeah, like, are we ever going to get any results from this experiment? We are also, on Podomatic, we are listed as personal journals. So today, I think we'll be working more on the personal journals side of things to sort of get everybody who may not be familiar with the Lost and Rewound impetus up to speed, especially if you are hearing us through Podomatic for the first time. And if you are, thank you for listening. And if thank you, you, thank you, thank you. And it, for all of our new listeners and old listeners alike, this is a helpful reminder that the times that we are living in are most volatile and we need your financial assistance. For our artistic endeavors. Indeed. So basically the idea is that we are coming to you right now commercial free. Yes. It is just us talking just us. to you through, through the radio space. Only us. <laughs> and if you want to keep this, this magic going... You can, again, donate to keep us alive and kicking. Again, you can do that by going on the interwebs. That's right, to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash pledge. Or you can donate to our show specifically, RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash L-A-R. And either way, whether you're given to the community as a whole or to us specifically, any amount of money that you contribute will help us greatly. Thank you so much for being out there and listening, and let's dive in. Let's do it.
the water is nice. We don't have any guests this week because it's hot out and people don't want to be in New York City in August. It's I know okay. I didn't. <laughs> you know, it's, you know it's, I just thought to myself and I said, you know what? We've had some great times. Guestless. Yeah. Just oh, the, absolutely. Just the Laurel and Hardy situation. No, except man. that um, neither of us are the heavy one. No, we got to take it back to the essence and uh, be able to prove that without a guest, we have plenty of content of which to uncover. And we have, and we will. And hey, the point of doing a show like this is, is that we have the artillery to make an example of what our show is supposed to sound like. Mid-90s, 93 to 96, roughly, when I was in middle school, I had a tape recorder, gave these tapes a name, the Danziger Zone, this whole entire recording series of which I obsessively, more or less obsessively, recorded 50 fucking tapes. 50. 50. 50. 50. 50. 50. 5-0. For today's episode, we have a few clips that we have not actually played on the show yet. More because they were not relevant to any of the other discussions before. But lo and behold, some of them are grouped in pieces of which I'm happy to discuss with my buddy Jimmy here. And we can get started with the Danziger Zone related clips so that you kind of get an idea for how this dude here promoted his shit when he was a 410 scrawny Jewish kid in Woodstock, New York. What you'll notice from these clips, ladies and gentlemen, is that not much has changed. Nope. Are you tired of all your of all your needs to listen? What? You should get a finger, my baby! Because then you can live a real life! Okay. Anyway, that's that's the commercial. We make it personal, but this is the real commercial. Are you tired of listening to these boring music tapes? No, no, it's not. I'm listening to Aerosmith, Metallica, Black Listen to Danziger Zone! 
That was an ad for your own program? That was an ad that I made in 1994 in the summer. Ben is likely one of the reasons why I got it in my head that this is something that I should continue doing because he definitely encouraged that summer when I had my recorder with me a vacation. He was very much into putting funny voices to the recorder, laughing a ton, and making up commercials and stuff. You know, when you have friends who are as creative and inventive and even more intelligent than you, you just, you vibe off that. If you don't have someone that's, you know, you find to be an intellectual equal and you're trying to do a creative endeavor together, it's difficult. Yeah, how are you going to bounce the idea off of them if when you're, like, talking to them and they're like... <laughs> exactly. The best friends that I had were the ones who actually um, were even more zany in the head than I was. So what ended up occurring was just a sort of a, a melding of the minds, if you will. You could hear in a lot of these clips with the ideas that Ben had, with the ideas that Brooks and Ryan and all these friends that I had who you know played along on the show to give their programs, they are utilizing this medium to try out ideas that they would have otherwise nowhere else to put it because who is going to hear it? They can just say whatever. And that's what's so magical about hearing something like this because it is effectively a time capsule in that there's no possible way that someone's going to hear this again, right? I can just be as ridiculous as I want, right? Well, that's what's crazy about linear time. <laughs> I think the same we, way. We have talked about this before, yes. It's just that like, sometimes you do something in a moment and you just don't have this any idea that how that effect will reverberate into the future. I want to bring out the mentionings of tape titles in that clip. I was mentioning tapes like The Danziger Zone Unplugged. That was an actual title. School's the Limit was a title. Surreal Summer. A few other ones were Lifestyles of the Danziger Zone. And, of course, the first tape, which was Boring Yet Cool. One thing I also heard in there, and maybe you could back me up on this, did I say something like a Panasonic recording simulator where, like, it'll visualize everything that's being recorded, but you can't hear it unless you put the headphones on? <laughs> yeah, he did say something like that. <laughs> Is there, there's an equivalent for that now. I think it's just called Going on an Airplane in-flight uh, movies. You know, it's one of those things I, or I think about a lot when I was a kid, my hopes for technology in adulthood and the fact that now the technology is so far past what I thought we would have. Now it's just whatever comes out. It's like you, you would think to yourself, how did I not think of that before? I'm thinking to myself about Alexa and just the fact that we can order things just by saying, hey, order me a sandwich. I'm ordering you a sandwich. That's, all, that's the future right there. All we need, I mean, we're just a couple of robotic steps away from never having to leave the room again. <laughs> that's basically where we're going. If they design robot helpers and servitors, do you want them to have personality? Do you want them to look human? Or would you rather that they look very robotic so that you disconnect the fact that this thing has a... Will we have a choice? A it's a better question. Well, I think that's the idea of going forward in, in robotics is which which direction do you go? I bet there's a, I know there's a lot of people who probably say, yeah, make them as lifelike as possible and make them, or at least make them cute. I want to like it. And other people go, don't do that because I don't want them to take over and enslave me. I don't like the Matrix. Yeah. In just the short time that we've been alive, the advancements that have been made are staggering. And there's just no telling, man. There's just no telling what the future will bring. 
if this country doesn't implode. <laughs> On that note, let's get <laughs> let's, let's let's listen to another clip from that trip because this one uh, again more creativity with my buddy Ben Anderson. Where were you guys traveling to? We were in Connecticut at his grandparents. In Connecticut, Connecticut. They had like a cottage at Grammy's house. Yeah, How there was did like, Grammy make good cooking. Uh, I I guess I don't remember anything about that trip other than my butt getting bit by a dog and going swimming in the lake and then obviously recording. When your butt got bit by the dog, yeah, did it break flesh? Did uh, it, yeah. Were you bleeding? Uh, yeah, I had three dagger bite bites in my right butt cheek. Ouch, kabibbles. Yeah, dude, it was no joke. And leave it to me, of course, the guy who has dogs now to be so stupid to feel like I need to go next door where I don't know that there's a dog who lives next door, but that dog was an outdoor dog and totally tore up. He tore into me and then ran away. Wow. I have a friend of mine who got bit on his scrot. Oh! And he said in that moment, he definitely uh, thought it was the end. <laughs> but and it had- wasn't. No, he's a child now, so yes. things are all gravy. It all works out in the end. He definitely showed it to me. <laughs> after I, He was like, you want to see the wounds? I was like, I don't know why I do. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like you said, it was those dagger-like bites. Yeah, it was basically the same thing with me. All right, let's take a listen to... On that image. Yes, on that image, let's listen to the Danziger Blues. I'm not the sort of guy that likes to play the piano. I mean, that's the only thing I'm, I'm different from people. I mean, so what if I can't play piano? It's not the end of the world for me. Piano's an optional thing. For me, it's chorus. That's my. That's not my voice. This is my voice. I come from a household that has that has someone annoying. I is the sister. I'm boy, she's so tired. I have the. The Danziger Blues! Yes, right! I'm starting to get a little boozy! And I'm not gonna learn this lesson until you make me feel good! I have a, I have an annoying sister and one heck of a dad! And I have a really nice mama!
Still have the Danziger Blues? Nah, dude. Thank God. I'm going back upstate, actually, for Labor Day weekend. Feels like several months that I've been back. When you yelled out, No! Or was that you yelling shut at your oh, Shut up. Was that you yelling at your friend? Yeah, dude. For what? Back, backup singing to you? Yeah, like I feel like that's one of the reasons why I've had a hard time playing this clip is because it's so... It's not even embarrassing. It's just t- so telling how fucking egotistical I was when I did this fucking program. But like, I was wondering, I was like, oh, I was like, is he yelling shut up at you for singing? You were yelling at him for that. No, but he was a good sport, and then you could hear him. He's like, da 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 You could hear him, like, starting up again. No, I mean, hey, what basically happened was I was like, I can sing. And then he was like, da 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 And true enough to those who know me in my efforts in musical improv, this is no surprise to anybody that I can just create a spot song out of nowhere. You can give me a tune or a genre started up like Ben was doing with the da-na-na-na-na, and I'm like, uh, I guess I'm doing a blues song. Da-na-na-na-na, I don't know what to do. Da-na-na-na-na, I feel so weird. Ba-na-na-na-na, and so do you. I don't know if I'd sign you. It's okay. <laughs> I've got to be independent. Well, the deal is you got to talk about some sad shit or the blues don't really work, man. Right. I mean, I'm a very white, overprivileged kid from upstate who has two cats and his house is under construction. Or And, like, he doesn't get along with the kids that he goes to school with. That's, that's what it's I was like, able to ascertain from the Dansker Blues. <laughs> it's the same reason people try to do gangster rap about copy paper, how it doesn't work, because it needs the context for the genre to work. I think I think if you did it in a very serious manner, uh, and to the point where it was absolutely farce, you can make it happen. One of the best rap songs I ever heard was totally a gangster song, and it was about Hamburger Helper. It was released for April Fool's Day, I think, a year ago, and ugh, so good. There's like a trap song. There's like an R&B song. There's like what, something for everybody. Hamburger Helper is gangster, though. Is it, though? You think the rich people use that? I've never <laughs> eaten it. So there goes my white privilege again, I guess, right? <laughs> I'm saying, man. People in the hood, they know what's up with that little glove. <laughs> so later on in the Danziger Zone years, I produced a top 10 list. I actually wrote this. This was not improvised. My friend Ryan Reich helped me out with this. I was very much a big fan of David Letterman's top 10 list. I never watched his show, but I always listened to his top 10 list the following morning on the radio. We thought for this countdown special, we could also do a top 10. A top 10 reason thing. Or top 10, like, Dave Letterman kind of thing, you know. And we thought it would be the top, be the top 10 reasons. Well, uh, I'll, I'll tell you later. Here. Well, let's first start out. The home office in Wahoo, Kansas. Here, here is the top ten reasons why to listen to the Danziger Zone. Now, I hear the Danziger Zone is really well. Wait, hold on. I've, I, I'm. This is me. I'm the one listen, that does it, so I don't have to. Okay. Well, anyway, top ten reasons why to listen to the Danziger Zone. Number ten. And wait a minute. For this, before I do anything, before we do this, I'm decided. That for this, for the countdown, we could have Ryan say everything about it. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Ryan will, will count down the top ten reasons to what to, why to listen to the Danziger Zone. Number ten. Here we go. All right, number ten. No, no, I'll do number ten. You, you can mess up your brain for free. Oh, there we go. 
Alright, number nine. You gotta love those tape titles. Oh yeah, alright, number eight. Because Elon and Dave Letterman both have the same dentists. <laughs> Funny. Alright, number seven. It gives your imagination a 10-mile sprint. <laughs> Art number six. Because Jockosaurus is the strangest reptile since Newt Gingrich. Oh, boy, that's it. You couldn't have said it better myself. Number five. Cable commercials are prohibited. Yeah, that's for sure. Number four. Uh, it's better than the Resnick Zone. Oh, yeah. That's right. All right. Number three. What else would you do? Talk to your invisible friend? Whoa! Guys, stop you from writing right. Where did we get these things from? Yo, kid! Oh, that's right. <laughs> oh, man. Damn. Dan's zone must be really good. Number two! All right. Number two, since Elon said, since when do you hear a talking necklace? DZ, oh. <laughs> could you make it for me? Yeah, what's up? Um, when, since when did everyone hear Talking Necklace, like you? Um, I don't really know, actually. I'm, no, I don't think really anyone's really heard me before. Oh, oh my god. I gotta let my public see me. Just my all my little friends. <laughs> okay, uh, well, the number one reason to listen to the Dancer Zone. All right. As Elon said, we have three words. The number one reason is three words long. It's a very short one, but it's awesome. Watching sound sucks! And there you go. Top ten reasons to listen to the Dancing Zone. Thank you, and good night from Wahoo, Kansas. Watching sound sucks. Watching sound sucks. I think people should watch our show. They should watch our show? Yeah. All right. That is something that technology has consistently helped with. You don't have to be listening to the radio. You could watch it in real time as opposed to watching it after it's been on the air. Right? Because like Imus and Rush and Howard Stern and all those guys, they would film it. They, they film it, but they, you, you can't watch it while they're doing the show. They film it and then they air it on whatever TV show. It yeah, later, yeah. Exactly. Whereas now we've got, like, what, Facebook Live? We could do that or Instagram uh, Live. But uh, we're not really even able to do it for the entire duration of the show. Listen to us, damn it! I've never done a Facebook Live, mostly because I'm not trying to like interrupt people's lives. Yeah, I'm, af- I'm afraid personally. You know, when those live things, you get an alert about it. I, I Facebook don't. Facebook alerts me when a you, live you know, thing happens. I you, don't you know why? I don't do it because I don't have Facebook Mobile. Oh, smart man! See, it alerts me every time somebody goes live. I'm so sorry. And I think that I've been interested to watch. One out of a hundred. Okay. But you're friends with a lot of comedians, right? How many yes. comedians do you know that use Facebook Live? Not that many. It's mostly okay. it's just everybody. Really. It's, it's an everybody thing. It's not like a... Cause I, I, I know, Comics don't often use it for their, their bits, no. Okay. They do like if they have a special thing they're doing, but not right. often for their bits. I know Ian Abramson, uh, one, just a phenomenal comedian whom, uh, for whatever reason, reached out to me and friended me on Facebook. Because I guess he saw that I was friends with a lot of his friends in the network. And now he's a big man now. He's doing his thing. And he evidently did like a whole Facebook Live of his Mayor McCheese inauguration out in Chicago or L.A. I think it was in 
No, I forget where it was. Fuck it. Hamburger Town. In Hamburger Town, precisely. <laughs> so he did like a whole Facebook Live thing, and I thought that was actually pretty freaking brilliant. But yeah, I mean, you really have to be using it for the right reasons. I don't know if I could ever get down with it. In 1996, or I guess it was 95 or 96, watching the sound, I mean, what would you do? I mean, you would basically, I mean, I had no concept of it. You would look at a waveform file? Exactly. That's, or, what I, that's all I do now. <laughs> or you would stare at your radio. Right. Or you would light your radio on fire and stare at the flames. Yes. <laughs> Wahoo, Kansas. I'm almost certain that was the actual town that Letterman would cite every time uh, he did the top ten list. I may be wrong, but when I was in camp, I went to a YMCA day camp. And Me I too. Took, I took I took this whole top ten list thing further, and every now and again I would go at assemblies on the stage in front of children, counselors, girls I had crushes on, bus drivers who are just waiting for this shit to end so that they could get these kids back to their respective places, and I would read a top ten list uh, every now and again. That was camp-centric. I think I've talked about this before. The top 10 lists that I created were specifically that of just relating to camp. Top 10 guesses of what the mystery meat is? Exactly. And I would, But I would always do it in the same kind of thing. Like, uh, here we go! And like, I would just rattle it off, kind of like Letterman. If you had to create, right on the spot, top 10 reasons to listen to Lost and Rewound, what would they be? I'm going to have to write them off right now. Let's make it happen. Number 10. Number 10 reason to listen to Lost and Rewound because we record in a basement. Uh, Amazing. Go on. Number Number nine nine. to listen to Lost and Rewound is because we're freeform radio. Commercial free. Yep, yep, yep. Freeform. Format is free. You know it. Number eight reason to listen to Lost and Rewound because we're coming to you straight out of Bushwick, Brooklyn. Straight out of Bushwick, Brooklyn. Number seven. Number seven reason to listen to Lost and Rewound is to be able to hear the past, sounds of the past. To hear the past, yes. To hear the reverberations of the past, literally to hear the past coming through. Reverberating into your eardrums. Reverberating into the present, Number six. Number six reason to listen to Lost and Rewound would be <laughs> 10 reasons is hard. <laughs> How long did it take you to write your 10 reasons? I've got other ones, but I'm trying to like save them for the front. Dude, and yeah. I'm trying to think yeah. about. Okay, number six reason, all the great guests. All the great guests. All of them. Just fantastic people. That Even we the ones who haven't shown up yet. We see you. We in the future. I see you in the future. This is a this is a, a show that is time based. So we see to the past <laughs> and we see to the future. We see all of spectrum. We see, we all. see all planes. We see all. Fuck the linear timeline. We know everything. <laughs> Number five reason to listen to Lost and Rewound. Jimmy Hoffman. <laughs> Number four reason. I'm dancing. <laughs> too too easy, but that's <laughs> you're too you're two lovely hosts. Yes, that's true. And number would, three. Number three would be bringing back radio as a medium, like having radio as a part of your everyday life. When you just when you thought it it was slipping away, we bring it back. Yes. Number two. Number two reason to listen is using the past 
to forecast the future. <laughs> <laughs> is using our show as a lens in order to better understand your everyday life. And the number one reason to listen to Lost and Rewound. Just to get your jollies on the toilet. <laughs> Zing. Oh, God. Jollies on the toilet. Perfect. What's the better reason to listen to any to any show, any podcast, any radio show? It's true. Than to make your toilet trips that much more. We, we see you are incontinent, fans. <laughs> we, we really we understand the importance of, of helping you guys. Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we have more clips from the Dansker Zone to uncover. On Lost and Rewound. Radio, Radio Free, Free Brooklyn. in the mid-90s we were listening to all the music of the time watching it on mtv and of course because mtv was so prevalent in my childhood it feels right to share a little bit of the found sounds that occurred from that era of our life tour this fall as Bowie pulled the news at a party last hey. month. The Los Angeles Times has reported that the tour is in fact set and that it will start in September. Head nail Trent Reznor has in the past cited Bowie's 70s albums as being influence on, influences on his music, especially Low, which was produced by Brian Eno, who has also returned to produce Bowie's new one called Outside, which will be out in late September. How might a Bowie Nails tour be received by the concert-going public? According to Gary Bongiovanni, the editor of the concert industry magazine Polestar, any attempt to mix widely divergent audiences can be problematic. Says Bongiovanni, quote, I don't know that a lot of Bowie's older fans will be ready for Nine Inch Nails. Well, the yeah. Curry Farrell is going. Okay. Wait, am I hearing that correctly? That Kurt Loder was saying there, David Bowie fans would not be ready for Nine Inch Nails in the mid '90s. No, this is what he was saying. But that, I do feel as though that happened a lot, where they would cross promote groups, and you know, one group of fans just just wouldn't feel the other, and it, for more similar music than. Nine Inch Nails. Isn't that Bowie. the whole point of like a festival, though? Like they do a fe- like the Horde tour, for example, which is totally dating me. That Blues Traveler created, or the Area One festival that Moby created, or Lollapalooza to an even larger effect. I mean, yeah, but I will always think about that band, the Mars Volta, that they'd been on tour with the Chili Peppers, right? And they they had gotten booed off the stage, and they left the tour, I believe. And then when they began to tour, they would tour after that with like no opener a lot of the time because they didn't just wanted pure fans of their own band not to worry about that. If you had the option, and I mean, this is a question that I would struggle to answer, but maybe you have one better. If you had the option to 
make three bands play when you were that young for you, like your three dream bands, do you think those three bands could play together feasibly or would it definitely not work? And if it did work, who would they be? What year do we want to use? Let's say for sake of argument, 14. My, so my, my 14th year. Uh, that would be then 2002. And the three bands that I would have wanted to see in 2002 when I was 14, that would have been The Strokes. It would have been probably freshman year of high school. Uh, I want to say The Who. I was really into The Who freshman year of high school. Okay. And this was right before. This was right before I was getting into metal. I was transitioning. I, I listened to new metal in middle school, like many mistaken children did. <laughs> <laughs> and then I transitioned out of new metal when I went to high school. I started listening to classic rock again, and then I started listening to alternative rock. And I'm trying to think. It would be. It would probably be either a third alternative rock band or a uh, third classic rock band. I want to say probably like the Fr- Franz Ferdinand. Okay. The Who, Franz Ferdinand, and the Strokes. Right. I don't know if The Who could play with those two other bands. Okay. The Who was much heavier and would destroy all their instruments. People would go nuts. So. <laughs> Wait. I don't know what Strokes concerts are like. No, nah, I've never seen either. Nice, a bunch of dudes in good, like, nice clothing. Yeah, maybe. My friend used to go to a lot of Strokes shows, but I don't feel like they were hard. I don't know. I have to ask him. But look at Trent Reznor now, man. He's gotten quite a sophisticated career in music. Back then, he was... Clearly, in at least in that story, considered more of a fringe artist as opposed to that of a widely celebrated artist. Absolutely, and he is totally a widely celebrated artist. But now, what about all through. all the different genres that fall under the umbrella of punk? So I'll hear so many different kinds of bands, and someone goes, "Oh, we're a punk band." And if I think punk, it's not their sound. What they're doing is a different style, but it's like in that vein. Well, if you ask, I feel like if you asked half of all hardcore bands, like what type of music they play, they go punk music. Right, through and through, it's punk, but they're within the sort of if you hardcore wanna, punk, I guess. Right, you get hardcore punk, you get more uh, ska punk, you get more, um, you know, slippery shoes punk. Slippery shoes punk. <laughs> <laughs> People are nothing. That's the next generation, right there. We're all about forecasting the future here. Truth, very true. Let's listen to another MTV-related clip. This is not me doing this voice, but rather a friend of mine at the time, Nate. It's time for a short Beavis and Butthead sing-along. Uh, old McDonald? Yeah, he's like, oh, what are you a loser? Yeah, yeah, old McDonald, like, well, anyway, you like Kevin's farm? Yeah, farms are cool. Yeah, but anyway, um, we have this farm, and, uh, um, and we have, like, some woodpeckers on it. Amanda, do you yeah. like that song? Woodpeckers. Just... They peck your wood. <laughs> yeah. This has been Beavis and Butthead Sing Along. You were like seven years old when Beavis and Butthead came out, right? Yeah, I was a kid when it came out for sure. I remember it. I remember all the everyone being into it. I remember playing the video game. I remember the movie came out. Beavis and Butthead was a big deal when I was a kid for sure. Yeah. But I was. I remember being young. I remember when it came out being younger and it being inappropriate for me but like no one cared same thing with south park south park came out and i was like eight years old it was not appropriate for me to watch but everyone did anyway right do you find yourself into the folks who created these projects more than you are the projects themselves so like mike judge and you check for his work 
and then Trey Parker and Matt Stone, and you check for their work, I suppose. I mean, you I guess, can't, can't I guess, avoid them. I think, <laughs> I, you know what, I guess you are right. I really don't like South Park that much, and I'm not a huge Beavis and Butthead fan. I liked Beavis and Butthead when I was a kid. I never really liked South Park. And you're right that I do like uh, Matt Stone and Trey Parker's work, and I do like uh, Mike Judge's stuff, too. Didn't Mike Judge do Office Space? Yes. Uh, classic. But the, the show that's in that vein that I did like, and I haven't seen in a lot of years, so I have to see if with a critical eye as an adult if I'd like it still, uh, was Ren and Stimpy. Yes. I used to really like Ren and Stimpy, and that show was like out there, man. Oh, yeah. No, we've, we've, we've chatted about it. Stimpy! Idiot! Oh, I don't know what you're talking about, Ren. <laughs> you know, we, we, we were chatting about that a little bit. Was it like last week we were talking exactly. about that, weren't we? Old news, Jimmy. Seriously. <laughs> Ren and Stimpy was one of my favorite shows. I had uh, Ren and Stimpy stuffed animals. I never played the video games, but I'm glad I didn't because they all look garbage. Total I, I, garbage. I played them. They were nothing special. Yeah. Um, the Beavis and Butthead video game, too. The Beavis and Butthead game was, was goofy. I think we just we were just into it because it was Beavis and Butthead. That just sure. made, it made it better. Yeah. Did you ever watch Rocco's Modern Life? I did. That show was pretty great. That it show was, was like great. a lighter version of the other ones. I feel like it wasn't as intense with all of the weird weirdness. It was weird. But it was a lot more farty than it was gross innards and faces and, rot- and it's rotted back. teeth. And it's back. Rocker's Modern Life is uh, back. According to my uh, investigations into uh, social media, it would appear that Rocker's Modern Life has gotten a reboot. I, I did not watch the whole clip, but it looked like they were just essentially acclimating to new technologies of the now. Wow. Um, like they're they like, bringing a lot of stuff back. They're, they're, they brought back Rocker's Modern Life. They brought back StarCraft, they, the, the video game. What? They completely redid it and remastered it and, re, and re-released it. And I'm like, Luke, thinking of upgrading my computer to play it. That's, that's a big deal. I used to love that game when I was a kid. And, Never uh, played it. And then I just saw an ad on a bus of the day. You know what else they're going to reboot? Will and Grace. Yeah. And all the actors have not aged. They are looking great. And Megan Mullally, I did not know that she was married to Ron Swanson. They are like only like the the coolest fucking couple. I mean, and then they're married on the show. Yeah, that. But really, you had no idea. What is his name in real life again? Fucking Nick Offerman, man. You know he's younger than she is. She is delightful, and he is just incredible. And the the, both of them are always on talk shows that I get a chance to watch every now and again. And they're they they never stop being funny. They are both really very very funny. So I knew about Megan Mullally. From Will and Grace, and she was probably my favorite character on that show, just because oh, she absolutely yeah. she was just so very funny. And I'm just really glad that they're all bringing it back. I don't know if the show will be good. I don't know if it will either. Because I'm, I hope I, I hope reboots, that people I'm watch afraid. it. I'm always afraid with reboots. I hope people watch it and that it gets a good reception. If there's any show they could reboot, and you can either choose for them to redo it with the same actors or different actors, which show would it be? That is a terrible question for me because there's a lot of TV shows that I did not watch, and in good faith, uh, I would feel very wrong saying... We can't say one that you haven't seen. You have to choose one that you know and that you like, and you want to see it again. You want to see more of it or redone or something. It's a hard one. I already know mine. Well, why don't you say yours first, and then I'll... I want, them, I want them to reboot. Reboot the TV show. <laughs> you reboot? <laughs> nah. You never seen Reboot? Nah. Reboot was this really, like when, when 3D cartoon shows, not cartoon, but like those 3D shows were new and the, the 3D was terrible. And it was about the internet. And there was a character named Dot Matrix. And then there's this other guy and he like, he gets to go into the web and he comes down and he's all messed up. And the bad, the bad guy's named Megabyte. 
It was so cheesy. Weird. It was, but it was great. You know, it wouldn't be a bad look to have a perfect strangers reunion. Just get those guys back. Or no, okay, let's be real serious here. If I, we're gonna do a, a show that no, that'll never work. I'm, I'm thinking out loud here, and I'm realizing that Freaks and Geeks oh, should have continued, and it uh, didn't. So there's no way that you could, especially when you're saying that now that all these people are famous, right? Yeah, it just doesn't make any difference anymore. Well. Did you see... That show should never have been canceled in the first place, but yeah. that that's a argument for another podcast. Did you see the <laughs> um, the later years of uh, Wet Hot American Summer? I have not seen it yet, and I want to I see it. I didn't see the second season yet. I saw the first season. I want to watch it all, and but I have not. But it's 10 years, 15 years after they did the first movie. Yeah. Which is great if you haven't seen it. it the Wet Hot American Summer is an awesome film. So. Let's move on to the final few clips. Now we're here with... Bobby, 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 Bobby. Yeah? Yeah. Hi, want to talk about this? Um, sure. I want you to hear some of what we're playing right now. It's called Dungeons of Dragons, and I hope you enjoy this session. Okay, so where these two players are now is one of them is in jail, and one of them is sneaking away. And he is just stamped on the face of a guy and beated him to death. So... <laughs> That's me. Alright, right there. There's that guy. Okay. So. So that. Now, Duncan, what do you do? Um, I. Alright, so, right, suddenly you hear a noise. Who goes there? Wait, I have. I, how can you hear? So that was the only documentation of Dungeons and Dragons that existed in the entirety of the Dansker Zone. And uh, it only gives you a little bit of a piece. Did you play much? I didn't. Yeah. But I did play Bunnies and Burrows in middle school. What? All right. So here's the thing. Dungeons and Dragons. So, uh, so for some reason, I managed to not play this game at all with any abundance throughout my entire childhood and into my teen years and even into my 20s and 30s. I don't hate the game. It's not that I avoided it. It just went over my head. I was just always like, whatever. Uh, it went over my head a little bit. And I am a huge fan of... Final Fantasy, all the Squaresoft RPGs, Legend of the Mystical Ninja, pretty much all of my favorite Super Nintendo games when I was growing up were all with in some kind of involvement with dragons or monsters. The fantasy that took place, you know, on my screen was more exciting to me than creating characters and in a circle with people and you know creating scenarios. And I don't know why really, per se, because I'm doing improv in my you know, adult life, and I find performing it on stage to be a much more exciting endeavor than just sitting around and trying to like create these ideas of which somebody arbitrarily can say yes or no to. But that said, I was involved in some form of a Dungeons & Dragons type game when I was at Poughkeepsie Day School. Jonathan Hylas, our science teacher, had taken the role as the overseer, the kind of the, the, I guess the instructor, and effectively the BM, the bunny master, for a watership down based Dungeons and Dragons like game called Bunnies and Burrows. And you played a bunny, and you could be a wizard, it could be a, an attacker, you could be an empath, you could be a thief, etc. All the same things you can get in Dungeons and Dragons, except the one difference is, is that you're a bunny. And you can't count past five, and everything past five is fiver, so you have no idea how long, much distance you're actually traveling. And you get 
eaten up by badgers or cat or dogs or whatever. It's real. Like it's real. Like you are much more susceptible to death as a bunny. But the inventiveness of just creating a game out of a book, it's much more inviting than creating a religion out of a book. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. I played Dungeons and Dragons a couple of times when I was a kid. My friends played it more. And I found that if you had you know, the dungeon master, if they were good at telling a story and bringing you along for it, it could be interesting. But all the downtime and, the, and how slow it would be, I, it, I, with the same way, with my ADD, I just couldn't handle it. Yeah. Like if I, I, if we were I was like, too ADD. I needed things to do. If we were like in a town, if we were not fighting a monster, I was pretty bored, I remember. And I remember that I used to incite violence in the game because I would be trying to make it stuff happen. You would. <laughs> I mean, I was, I was bored. There was times when it would take us like two hours and we would have not even gotten on the quest. Yeah, precisely. And like, guys, for real... Like we'd be climbing a cliff or something, or like some or something, something dumb, and it would just take so much time, and it wouldn't be interesting. And I'd be like, "There's cool ways to go with this." I still remember there was a moment when I saved the day in Dungeons and Dragons, and it was baller. There was like some bad guy that came through, and my character I had specifically designed to be like tough as nails and to just be able to be a brawler and fight anybody. And some guy challenged me, and I killed him, and I got this giant axe. And then there was some point we were, like, swarmed, and we were, like, for sure going to die, you know, statistically. And I had some brilliant idea to light my axe on fire. And with Dungeons & Dragons, you know, your imagination is your weapon. <laughs> and so I lit my axe on fire. I, like, demolished, you know, said a hundred goblins we needed to kill. We mopped the floor of them all. My friends were just like, oh, my God, I can't believe you did that. And we got all the booty. And after that, we were set. We were, like, set yeah. to jet. We had, it, we had it made. I really appreciate the kind of creative outlets that you can definitely put Dungeons & Dragons into. So, for example, I'm almost certain that at the pit every month you can catch a show that this really awesome, terrific actor friend of mine, Caitlin Noble, is in called The Campaign, which is just improvised, acted-out versions of Dungeons & Dragons stories. Angel Yao's husband, Grant, is on a Dungeons & Dragons podcast where every week they like keep going on playing the game and you know continuing on from where they left off. I don't know if they're still going on, but even better than that, I think, is the Dan Harmon show that, <laughs> name I don't even remember, but... Leave it to Subway Advertising to getting this through my head that this is a show that exists of which he has, uh, I guess it's like him, a few other people, and then like there'll be a guest every week, and they perform this in L.A., and they have someone animate the whole thing, and while they're doing the whole show, they'll have animated characterizations of everything that's being played. Utilizing Dungeons & Dragons as a sort of foundation, I love that. When I was a child and I wanted to be more... Uh, stimulated, it seems like it was not as interesting then, but I love how they have utilized it to a point where they can be inspired to create art. No different than the way we're creating art now as adults, but... As an adult, I feel like it'd be more interesting to me now. I feel like I'd have more fun playing it now. Yeah. Because I feel like I would be more invested in the creative aspect and stretching the game and stretching the reality of the situation and yeah, how far you could you know how far you could push what's happening in the, in the in the constraints of that world, which is again I think that's something that it depends on who you are, but I like that idea of you know um, pushing the boundaries of human intelligence and existence. So why not in this imaginary world, right? That's, mm -hmm. that's the perfect place. Yeah, 
we have time for one more clip and uh on that sort of creating monsters out of nothing at all clip uh tip rather we have a clip <laughs> a clip on the tip circumcision hi this is me on the playground here i am with james watch this hi james hi how you doing why are you doing all the swings Dragon of Doom, wow! Who is the Dragon of Doom again? Jeremy! Jeremy who? Him! Wow, this is so amazing! Jeremy, are you scared? No, he isn't. Yeah, Alon, way to be totally crass and talking down to your, shall we say, contemporaries for being creative and creating yeah you're being you're being characters you're being really sarcastic it's so interesting so interesting uh, excuse me while i go and talk to myself in a pv herman voice <laughs> yeah i know what you mean like i feel like if you if your character was in an 80s movie it would fit perfectly yeah they just like cut to this guy like and um talking to you now Yes. Making sure that we, uh, you know. Yeah. That's. That, you know, forecast all, <laughs> all, all, the, all the majesty of the playground. Yeah, I mean, listen, the the kids that uh, were doing that are, uh, to this day, uh, people I don't really talk to very much, uh, but they're all, they all turn out to be great people. James uh, got into anime. Uh, Jillian is a lovely mother and a great artist. And then Jeremy the kid who was the Dragon of Doom, became a police officer. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Every time I see a cop coming, I go, ah, here comes the dragon. The dragon of, of Doom. The dragon of Doom. Yeah, I mean, listen, if you're not going to be playing Dungeons and Dragons just like right there on the playground, you're just going to be a little more inventive and be like, I'm going to chase the dragon. I just don't like the prejudice that was existing on that playground at the time. Were you into dragons just as a like a general rule? Like, did you yeah, think that dragons? I'm, I'm year of the dragon. You you are you you. I'm born... year of the dragon, man. I... I've always liked dragons and unicorns and like the whole fantasy realm. No, was... unicorns are lame. Unicorns are lame. Dragons over unicorns. I like narwhals. <laughs> they're not they're not mystical, are they? Wait, what are narwhals? They're just whales, right? They're whales with a horn on them. Ah, like, uh, like I see. I think they're very rare. I don't think they're mystical though. <laughs> the uh, fact of having a interest in these characters or griffins or whatever you know i like griffins <laughs> i just think unicorns to me were lame because it was just a horse with a horn on it like there was nothing that special about it mm-hmm. in in all these other instances there was a lot more happening a griffin is a mixture of animals you know a dragon is a mixture of animals and that I, was exciting to me I, I, a chimera for instance the same way mr tour guide have you been to the cloisters I have been to the cloisters many times. They have that whole tapestry room there with all the unicorns. I, you know what? I will, I will have to say that when I see old medieval art depicting unicorn hunts, it's, it's awesome. So you're right. I do like those tapestries. They didn't hunt dragons. They hunted unicorns. The unicorn hunt was a thing. Yeah. Well, because it made more sense that it could, it could possibly exist without you knowing about it. A dragon, you know, you'd know. You would know. <laughs> you would know. It wouldn't be like a secret dragon. Ooh, like, like you, you're not going to be able to really truly tell if the water is purified, but you will definitely know if a house got charred. To yeah, a crisp. that's what I'm saying. Like, I, like I said, again, like a, a unicorn is like 
in the in the forest somewhere be running around. That's the idea. What did griffins do then, or what did minotaurs even do? Suppose? Minotaurs guarded labyrinths. All right. Um, griffins, you rode them, but I don't I don't remember the context of who was riding. You rode them like Never Ending Story. Um, like oh, like Falcor. Yeah, man. I want to ride Falcor so bad. Like I feel like the very first idea for a comedy album picture was just a picture of me running Falcor. That was like my my I just going yeah. <laughs> like that was my original, my initial idea. Make it happen, it happen. I've watched the Never Ending Story too many times. See, you were asking me before if like there was a movie or a TV show that would be recreated, right? That would be a good one. It would be a good one, especially since my parents would not let me see that when I was a kid. Because... It was weird. It was like going down the rabbit hole kind of thing. Yeah, and there's a reason why I didn't see Legend either when I was a kid because that shit's pretty sad too. All of it's sad. Anyway. If you would like to, again, contribute to our show, email us directly at lostandrewound at radiofreebrooklyn.org. We are everywhere, Facebook, Twitter, and as you know, on our new website, lostandrewound.podomatic.com. Thank you all so very much for being with us this week, and we'll be back next week with a guest so that I won't have to be talking so much. Yeah, thanks for tuning in, guys, and I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Lost and Rewound, Radio Free Brooklyn.
Um, Don't tell me you've come to get your buddy's brain back, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll be glad to give it back to you. Help yourself. I wish you kids would stop sitting so close. It's pretty weird, huh? Started, I wonder what Heather's brain looks like. Oh, cut, cut. 